0: Welcome to the Do Better podcast with your coach and host, me, Stevie Potter, helping you to go from feeling like a smashed packet of custard creams to being a superhuman. To find out where you are right now on the spectrum, go to our show notes and visit the superhuman scorecard and start changing your life today. Hello, good morning, everybody and welcome to I think this is episode eight. I can't believe I'm already losing track of the numbers and we're only probably seven or eight episodes in. It doesn't bode well does it because I think once we get past episode 10 I'm going to be completely lost. But then as a dentist I only ever need to count to eight so well it's unsurprising isn't it. I hope you have all had a good week. I am actually feeling a little bit under the weather today Um, over the weekend so I record this always on a Monday. Over the weekend, I have been racing. I've had a fantastic weekend. But the downside is pushing yourself really hard from racing often has consequences. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to refine my race nutrition plan and... The further and harder I push myself, the more on it I've got to be with that. And some of the races we've been doing recently have been in the afternoon, which changes the plan. Because I'm used to just getting up in the morning, grabbing a slice of toast and accepting the fact that I can't force much else down because of the nerves. um, And I can kind of get through it on coffee and a bit of carb drink unfortunately when the race happens in the afternoon it takes a big toll on my guts doing that um, because I end up not having enough food and then I can't eat afterwards and it's just a whole host of pain so i um, suffering a little bit from that today so yeah some conversations to be had with coach I think um but the important thing is that i won the race and we did a disgusting off-road duathlon on saturday there is a fine line between pleasure and pain uh i was talking about this in my group the other day and just saying i kind of have to push myself further and further and harder and harder to to get the same pleasure reward now so um I think my dopamine levels are definitely out of whack on that, that respect. And I, I realised now getting back to racing uh, more regularly how much I've missed in, how much I need it in my life as well. So how many others of you are there out there that are like that? I'm hoping it's not just me. I don't think it is. Um, so that's been the weekend. That's where we are. So being kind to myself today, you will hear me sniffing and doing various other things. I've been swimming and uh, like I say, I'm feeling a bit under the weather today. So apologies. I'm going to continue, however, with the diet special. So we're on episode eight, but I am going to say this is episode two of the diet special. Um, Last week, I talked to you about the keto diet, which is something that's still very popular. Um, It's been around for a very, very long time. And essentially, the takeaway was there are elements to this that could work for people, but ultimately, uh, weight loss is about calorie deficit and health is about low uh, levels of processed foods in my opinion and there is evidence out there to support that as well so um, you know there were some good points there were some bad points and I think go back and have a listen to that if you haven't already if you are considering a keto diet or you've heard about it or perhaps you're doing it or you just want to know a little bit more about it. Today I'm going to focus on something else that is probably a more recently popular diet, um, the paleo diet. Uh, it was the most Googled diet term in 2013 and had its peak popularity around then and in 2014 alongside the kind of raw food movement. So lots of people who were choosing not to cook their food, um, people saying that they were going to get more nutrition out of it that way. It was in its unaltered natural state. But we're going to focus on the paleo diet. Uh, it was created back in the 70s by a gastroenterologist. Um, I can't pronounce his name. It's Walter Vugdlin or something like that. There are other people who are probably German or whatever who will pronounce that much better than I did. But essentially, gastroenterologist Guy and he and his supporters argue that returning to our ancestors diet could reduce the incidence of Crohn's disease, diabetes, obesity, indigestion and loads of other illnesses that we often relate to the food that we eat um the ancestral diet is as the name suggests based on what earlier homonyms would have eaten during the paleolithic era so around about two and a half million to ten thousand years ago um some people just refer to it as the caveman or the hunter-gatherer diet uh because the idea is based on the thought that that kind of age of mankind was eating whatever they could find in foraging or whatever they could kill in kind of hunting expeditions um so that's where it kind of comes from their idea or the sciencey bit in inverted commas is that we should follow the paleo diet because our guts are designed and have evolved to eat that hunter-gatherer diet not the modern cultivated and processed diet that we have today so the major products of farming are dairy farmed meats grains legumes like peas and beans And we may have had access to some relatives of these foods in terms of wild grains, maybe some peas and beans out there that we could find, but certainly not of the same variety or in the same quantity, um, same proportions in our diet that we could after we started to introduce agricultural practices now these are practices that enabled us to have access to a more reliable and easier source of food which could feed more people potentially avoid energy required to find food avoid famine i mean if you think about it as a hunter-gatherer you're literally having to spend every day finding your food um if you can take down a big animal then you might have some food that's there to see you through for a while you can have a good source of fat and protein But once that's gone, you're going to need something else to eat. And so it's all about survival. As a hunter-gatherer, you've got to go out every day and find food to survive. And that's essentially what your life is. If you can introduce farming practices, it means that you can feed communities. So you can uh, feed kind of children and dependents more easily Um, it means that you don't have to spend so much time going and looking for your food so you've got energy to do other things which is where you start to see kind of societies develop with more of a reflection of what we see today Um, and people actually start to you know introduce hobbies and stuff (laughs) further on in the farming journey So it meant that we as a society could really develop when we introduced agricultural practices and it made sense because we didn't have as much risk going out into the wild and finding things Um, and if we could grow things we had a reliable source we knew what would be in season we knew what we would have available to eat and when we were going to go through hard times you could prepare for that as well so eventually you're going to be able to store things as well. So that's why farming was introduced to us and why we became very successful as a species. Um, Essentially, it just revolutionised our species and our our ability to thrive, not just survive. However, some researchers or some hypothesised that this style of eating based on farming has come relatively recently, relatively rapidly in our existence and our history. And that means that in their view, we're not evolved to cope with it. Uh, And they call that the discordance hypothesis. And the discordance, discordance hypothesis suggests that this is the reason we've got the chronic metabolic diseases we see today, is because we're not evolved to eat what we're actually putting in our bodies. So they're saying you're only evolved to eat what you could catch, what you could find, what you could hunt. You're not designed to eat what we farm. And if we look at the grains we kind of farm today versus the grains we had when we first started farming, They're dramatically different um, in their structure. A lot of them have a less fibre, and they're farmed for taste, sweetness often. Um, And even the meats we look at, you know, uh, if you look at game, so if you go and buy wild venison, it's a lot leaner, um, a lot different flavour to what you have on farmed uh, animal meats. So there are differences. And you can imagine that when we first started farming, there would have been differences in what we were farming versus what we were hunting and gathering. And I think that's where the proportions um, of what we ate in our diets changed. Because like I say, you you probably would have found a few grains as a hunter-gatherer, but not in the proportion that you would find them if you were suddenly able to grow them. And obviously, if you've got that as an easily available source of food, then you're going to eat it. So in terms of what you actually eat on a paleo diet, what does it look like in practice? Well, it's all stuff that in theory you'd have had access to if you were a pre-farming caveman. So meat and fish, um, because obviously you could hunt and you could fish potentially. Um, Nuts and seeds, vegetables, fruits, things that you'd have been able to find in hedgerows, trees, forests, depending on where you are. And also oils from nuts, seeds and fruits. So they do allow you to have... um, oils with the argument being these come from things that you would have found in the hedgerows Um, obviously you probably wouldn't have processed those in the same way but their argument is well they come from things that you could find so that's fine You, in the main, avoid grains, including flowers, uh, your legumes, so peas, lentils, beans, dairy, refined sugars, although some will have the occasional spoonful of honey or agave nectar. Again, the argument being those are things you would find in the wild, certainly honey um, from bees, wild bees, um, and agave nectar coming from a plant. Um, Though, again, some people are going to argue over that point. This is just what I've read about it. It's not something that I follow myself. Um, Obviously, potatoes and highly processed foods are off the menu as well. So on the surface of that, I actually think that the paleo diet looks quite appealing from a health perspective. Why? Well, my favourite bit, obviously, is the complete avoidance of highly processed foods. And we've seen before that There are differences in many diets. There are differences in people's success stories in terms of the diets that they followed, but if we look at why most of them successful, it's because they're avoiding these highly processed foods, which are calorie dense but nutritionally poor, and they lead to very funny responses in the body, which leave you feeling hungry. You don't feel satisfied. It's easier. It's easier to put two hundred calories of Mars bar in your mouth than it is to put two hundred calories of salad in your mouth, and that's just a fact. Um, whereas the salad's going to have more fibre and more nutrition. You're going to feel fuller for longer if you have a great big bowl of salad um, than you are if you eat a, a little Mars bar. You're going to be hungry very soon after that because you're creating these kind of sugar highs and lows. Um, the Mars bar is going to be flushed out quite quickly. The salad's going to sit around for a while whilst you digest it. And we know that already. So what are the downsides? Why aren't I following a paleo diet if I think that it's great from a health perspective? Well, The first thing is that I'm not sure that this is really what our ancestors ate. There's no way of actually knowing what our ancestors ate, because it was so long ago and we weren't there. However, if you look at the work of certain evolutionary anthropologists, uh, my favourite one being, as you know, Herman Ponser, who wrote the book Burn, um, he kind of goes through this paleo diet, refers back to it quite a lot, and he has done a lot of work with one of the few remaining tribes of hunter gatherers the Hadza tribe people um and just monitored them gone around and followed them in terms of what they eat and the majority 99% of their lifestyle is pretty unchanged um it's passed down from generation to generation in families they're pretty untouched by the modern world they do go into modern towns to get bits and pieces that they need um But in the main, like I say, 99% of their kind of lifestyle is as it would have been um, over generations in that tribe and what he noticed was that yes they were eating meats um but that would depend on what they would find so the men tended to go out and they might kill something themselves or they might actually steal a carcass um so he tells a story about um hearing these hudza guys come back in the morning i think it was with a zebra which they'd stolen off a a pride of lions in the night (laughs) um so opportunistic finding meat Um, but also we've got women in the tribe going out and they're digging up uh, tubers, they're um, foraging for fruits in the trees Um, and we've also got families going out and finding wild honey. Again he tells another story of a day where he went out and followed um, two of the tribe's people going out and just gorging themselves on honey for a whole day. So clearly that was a very sugar and carbohydrate heavy day for them. So I think that begs the question, well, if these guys are eating tubers and fruits and things like that and loads of honey, um, yes, they're eating meat, but when you look at a paleo diet, most of those people will put a massive emphasis on meat and fish, far more than these hunter-tribe people actually will. The other thing is that actually if you look at what these hunter-gatherer societies are eating um it's often very boring and bland and so the way that we kind of bastardize the diet in the westernized world is to make it palatable so we will season it we'll put other things on it Well, we want variety we're not prepared to eat the same thing over and over again and we don't do kind of feast and famine in the same way that um these kind of hunter tribes will do. So hunter-gatherer tribes um, may have lots of meat for a period of time, but then they might go without that meat for a period of time as well, because it just depends on what's around and what they can catch. And so I think that's something to take into consideration as well, is that is actually not necessarily the way that our ancestors would have eaten. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is that I think cutting out massive food groups is not really advantageous and the thing to bear in mind is that humans are successful because we are adaptable we are opportunistic if you think about the massive variation in societies and cultures in climates that we live in in environments that we live in um we have you know more recently in in terms of human evolution seen tribes settle in the very, very northernmost parts of the world um, who will survive on, you know, seal blubber and various other fatty meats and not much else in the way of fresh produce. Um, on the flip side of that, we go back to these Hudza tribe people who live in very hot climates, um, in the savannas, in desert like conditions a lot of the time, who um, will survive on what they have there. So, I think that goes to show, and what we should realise from that, is that there is no specific diet that necessarily our ancestors would have would have followed, because depending on where you are as a settler is going to dictate what's available to you in terms of food. And so today, when we have access to pretty much anything from any continent in any country... Um, that makes it very difficult because you're not going to follow the boring diet that your ancestors would have had even if they lived in the same place as you do now which given kind of global movement and our ability to travel and move and settle elsewhere is highly unlikely that you're living in the same place as your ancestors did so that's something to consider as well Um, and bearing in mind that we're adaptable and that we've evolved because of our ability to adapt and change and evolve um Is it right to say, well, we haven't evolved to eat this diet, so we shouldn't eat it? Or should we be saying, maybe we are evolving to eat this diet? And maybe, you know, because of medical uh, healthcare, we're very lucky to have um, very evolved healthcare systems. And we can now save lives and people with chronic diseases can... You know, survive because we can medicate and we can give them lifestyle advice and we can change things and we can do all these kind of experimental treatments. We don't see the same evolution that you would do in the wild. And the brutal truth is that in the wild, if you had those chronic metabolic diseases, you would die. So that would probably create some natural selection around people that were able to cope with the diet around them. Now, obviously, like I say, that's not the case now, but. Is it that we should think about the fact that if we eat what we're farming, then that's a more sustainable mindset than saying, well, actually, we should go back to what we ate before. And when I say sustainable, that could be related to um, the fact that we all know eating a lot of meat and fish isn't a sustainable practice. Um, Sustainable farming talks about long, slow growth of meat, which means you don't have access to it all of the time um fishing again we know we've overfished the oceans we know that we've caused a lot of environmental um impact and damage um and it's all very negative and there are very few sources of seafood out there now that necessarily are going to be good for the environment and for you um so maybe we should be looking at how we can evolve to the diet that we're creating for ourselves however that doesn't mean we need to be eating overly processed foods and we do need to be thinking about variety Um, so gut health variety of the grains that we eat variety of the farmed foods that we eat and seeing how much variety we can introduce into our diet and that's something that we have lost so agriculture has very much become about single species you know wheat has been very much selected and selected and selected so we've lost a lot of the other varieties that we used to have which gave us more variety in our diet potentially was better for our guts so i think there is potential for us to consider that we might adapt and evolve to the diet that we have but we have to bear in mind that the negative health impacts always come from those ultra processed foods where we strip out the fiber we strip out the goodness we strip out all the things that are good about those plants that we eat and then we end up with a diet that's devoid of the nutrients we need and that is maybe where we start to see these chronic metabolic diseases uh, creep in And the final point I want to make about the paleo diet is actually when you look at early man in terms of lifespan, well, obviously, early man was designed to live for about 30 to 40 years. Um, You know, I would be considered an old age pensioner in the kind of paleolithic era. So (laughs) at the tender age of 31, might I add. So it's important to recognize that because how can we possibly say that the caveman diet is really good for us? And we should all be following it because it's what our ancestors ate. When our ancestors lived in a very, very different environment to what we live in, they didn't have health care. Um, many, many children would die of diseases before they even reached um, kind of 10 to 12 years old. And again, we see those in hunter-gatherer tribes that we follow today. Um, and so actually, when we look at the lifestyle, although the diet, we might go, oh yeah, this is great because this is what we're evolved to eat. How have our lifestyles changed? Because we all are looking to live at least double what a caveman's life expectancy would have been. So how does that play out? And I'm not necessarily sure that we should be eating the same diet as somebody that only has an ambition to live for 40 years when we want to live for 80, 100 years. And that's something that's really important to bear in mind. So in summary, what do I think about the paleo diet? Again, The same I said about the keto diet. I think the emphasis on avoiding those ultra processed foods is really, really healthy. And I think whatever diet we're following, we should be thinking about that. But I think a lot of the other stuff that comes with it, and I think a lot of the other principles are not necessarily things that are going to be beneficial to us. And I think we have to change the mindset beyond our ancestors ate this, so this is what we should eat. And I think we should be thinking about. Humans, as a much more successful species than we give it credit for. Um, But, like I say, we do need to be avoiding those kind of ultra processed foods, which have been proven time and time again. Whatever diet you follow and whatever it is that you're doing, if you're eating ultra processed foods all of the time, that's what kills you and that's what gives you the disease. And I see no evidence to contradict that. Unfortunately, we don't see evidence to make it as alarmist as I think it is because I think there's too much money and politics in the way but that is an argument for another day so paleo diet I think take some things from it I think definitely take all the fresh fruits vegetables the plant-based options I think the meat and fish take with a pinch of salt um maybe quite literally because <laughs> you're not allowed to salt in the paleo diet either um but just think about being more sustainable from that point of view and think about the fact that you want to live a lot longer than a caveman so how does that change your lifestyle Um, I'm going to be back again next week with another episode in the diet special Um, so stay tuned for that one if there's anything else that you want me to discuss so if there's any other diet topics that you want me to cover then please let me know all my contact details are in the uh, show intro and outro Um, you can also join the group so please do that again the link is in the show notes and it'll be really good to see some of you in the paladins uh, community I am doing weekly coaching sessions in there for the group so do tune in because there's some really good life lessons in there Um, based on my own experiences and those of my clients as well so I'm tackling some of the big issues that people are facing right now but otherwise I hope you have a great week I hope you have a great weekend and I will catch you all again next week take care thanks for listening to the do better podcast I hope you enjoyed the show You can connect with me and learn more about how you can become a happier, healthier and more successful superhuman by contacting me at steviepotter at thewonderclinic.co.uk, following Stevie's Wonder Clinic on Instagram and heading to our website thewonderclinic.co.uk. And you can get started on your journey today by completing the superhuman scorecard via the link in the show notes. I hope to see you all soon.